0: An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. A couple of weeks ago the radio carried a story about the big plans they've got for sprucing up Bethlehem that dusty little town of Jesus' nativity. Seems that tourists usually take the bus ride over from Jerusalem and they get out and they scurry into the Church of the Nativity, they take their pictures, and then they get back on the bus and head back to the city. Nobody actually wants to stay in Bethlehem. You have to say that when I was there, in 1988. It's the only place I have ever been tear-gassed. So, they're building a luxury hotel, turning that dingy car park into a shopping mall, attempting to turn poor little Bethlehem into a place that tourists would want to stay and spend their money. International donations are helping with this project. But there are charges of political corruption, of money lining politicians' pockets, and the whole project is bogged down in red tape. I'm sure you're surprised at that. Poor Bethlehem, grimy, politically corrupt, caught between two warring peoples, hardly the place for the celebration of Christmas. But Bethlehem is Christmas. An earnest student said to me once, I just can't believe that the president has done what he's done. And I replied, really? I can. Of course, I'm a Christian. So I'm conditioned to believe that politicians, that anyone in power is capable of almost anything. And I realize that I am also conditioned by a lifetime of going to church and hearing not too nice stories about bad politicians. In today's gospel, Christmas is barely two days old barely 12 verses old, and already Matthew inserts this horrible story of King Herod's driving the Holy Family out and the massacre of the boy babies in Bethlehem. Down through the ages, innumerable kings and governments and dictators and parliaments have murdered people. Today's gospel is a story about that and how that contrasts with our cherished views of Christmas. Christmas cards are sentimental. TV tells of a snow-covered wonderland where Christmas evokes the best in everybody. That first Christmas ended in bloodshed. Matthew's Christmas pageant ends not with tinseled, covered angels proclaiming goodwill, but with Rachel weeping for her slaughtered children. Christmas in the real Bethlehem. Herod, of course, was no fool. He'd been in power long enough to be able to tell a rival when he saw one. What the shepherds might see as a baby a distant relative of David, Herod knew as a threat to everything on which his kingdom was based. And thus Herod joins the other great leaders of our age, Pol Pot and Hitler and Stalin and Mao, who didn't mind a little murder in order to advance great political ideas. The world calls it Beirut, or Belfast, or Bosnia, or Beijing. The Bible calls it Bethlehem. We don't like this Christmas story. Not as many of us obviously are here today as there were on Christmas Eve to hear of the shepherds and the angels and the little baby Jesus. Christmas for us has become the escapist fantasy that for one day of the year, everybody becomes miraculously transformed like Scrooge who suddenly does right by Tiny Tim. It's hard to be honest about ourselves and about our situation, but the Bible tells the truth about Bethlehem. After perhaps the bloodiest century this world has ever known, if you just count up the bodies of those killed by their own governments to say nothing of the wars, and a year on the streets of any U.S. city, we are beckoned by the Bible to Bethlehem. We just don't know any other way to get what we want than by violence and Matthew calls that Bethlehem. And even though it's not the Christmas story that we want, it may be the Christmas story that we need. For any God who is unwilling to come to Bethlehem won't do us much good. If God is really going to save us, God will have to come to where we are because otherwise we can't get to God. Just before Christmas, a student was telling me about the twists and the turns in his romantic relationships. I don't know why they tell me these sorts of stories, but he thought he was deeply, deeply in love with this young woman It was meant to be. It was the right relationship. It was love. But she had given him his walking papers. He was out. He was crushed. He was confused. And he said in misery, if this is love, why does it have to hurt so much? Why does love have to be painful? Love shouldn't be that way, he said. Oh, dear, dear boy. Love, real love, is always that way. Painful. If there's to be love, there has to be risk. And if there is risk, then there's always the possibility of pain. Love came down at Christmas, we sometimes sing. If love, God's love, is to come down to us, not to angels, but to us, there's going to be some pain in it. Yes, and blood, too. Someone will get hurt, because we are very hurtful in our loves and our hates. If our allegiances are to be dethroned, it's not going to be pretty. We hold on tight to our gods, and we will not let them go without them being pulled away from us. At Bethlehem, we see a prelude to events later at a place called Calvary. The one called King of the Jews goes Head to head with our kings and our kingdoms, and there is pain and violence and weeping and blood. But it is all for us and for our salvation, and it is all love through and through, and it all begins at Bethlehem.